Let's pray. As we have just sung, O Lord, we ask now that you would bless us. That you would bless us by your Holy Spirit to not only hear your word, but understand it. Father, we ask that you would bless the reading, hearing, and preaching of your word this day, and especially now. And though, Lord God, we would be reminded of all the victories you give to us over this fallen world as we see David this morning slaying a giant. And you give him victory for the sake of your glory. Lord, bless your word this morning. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are able to remain standing, please do so and take your copies of God's word and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. There's a lengthy chapter this morning, so if you're not physically able to stand for this long, please feel free to be seated. But for the rest of us, let's remain standing for the reading of God's Word. 1 Samuel 17, beginning at verse 1, reading to the end of the chapter here now, the Word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Socha, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soka and Azekah and Ephes Damim. And Saul, the men of Israel, were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. 
But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David, his son, take your brothers and ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp of your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the man who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. 
Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog? That you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sha'arim as far as Gath and Ekron. The people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and he put his armor in his tent. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, inquire, whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from striking down, from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning, we were in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we saw David anointed king. We saw last week how God sent Samuel to Bethlehem, and specifically to Jesse and his family. And we saw how God presented all of the sons of Jesse before Samuel. But one was missing. David, the the young man, was missing. 
He was keeping sheep. And so they sent for David and David came and Samuel said, this is the one. And he anointed David king. We also saw last week how God used David to ease the the torment of Saul. God sent a tormenting spirit to Saul. And some of his servants said that maybe someone playing the lyre would help. And they knew of David and they called for him. And David came into the service of Saul. And Saul loved him greatly. And every time that tormenting spirit from the Lord came to Saul, David would play and the spirit would depart from Saul. This morning we come to a portion of Scripture that we all know well. We have heard this account many times in our lives in Sunday school and vacation Bible schools and yes, even a few times from the pulpits. As we come this morning, we find David slaying the giant, Goliath. Now don't worry, I'm not going to ask you what giants you must slay in your life. We have no giants standing before us this morning. But what we want to see here is that God is at work. God is at work in further discrediting Saul as king. Because as we have read this morning, Saul and all the men of Israel, they were afraid when this giant came out. But this young man by the name of David knew that God would grant him the victory. God is at work in establishing David as king before the eyes of the people of Israel. He is at work in reminding His people that not even a giant of the Philistines could be victorious over God's people. We see God working all things together for the good of His people. And so there are four things I want us to to notice here this morning in this lengthy chapter. And the first is this, Goliath's challenge to God. Yes, we've read, he he challenged Israel, but more than that, he is challenging the God of Israel. We see in verses 1 through 3, the battle lines are drawn. Now, it wasn't that long ago, we saw and heard that the Philistines had been soundly defeated by Saul. He had defeated the Philistines, but now we see them gathering together again to come and fight with the people of God. And so the scene is this. Israel is on one side, the Philistines on another, and there's a valley between them. And so every day, for 40 days, morning and evening, Goliath would come out. Now Goliath was a giant. The Bible tells us that His height was six cubits and a span. This tells us that Goliath was between nine and ten feet tall. For those of you who are a little older like me, you may remember another giant, Andre the Giant, seven foot four, the eighth wonder of the world in wrestling. And so think of that, Goliath two feet taller than him. 
And every day, every morning and evening, he came out taunting as he was dressed with a helmet of bronze on his head and armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had all of this bronze armor on. And his shaft was a spear like a weaver's beam. His spear, spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And he had a shield bearer go before him. I wonder why. And he would come out and he challenged God. In verse 8, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are not you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to defeat me, fine. We will become your servants. But if I defeat him, you will become our servants. You see, Goliath knew that Israel was the people of God. And he is defying Israel and he is defying God. In verse 11, we see all Israel were afraid. They were dismayed. They were greatly afraid of this giant. So that is the scene before us. But then second of all, we see again God in His providence bringing David exactly where he needs to be at the exact time he needs to be there. David is away tending the sheep, but, but his father Jesse uh, wants to inquire of his sons. The three oldest sons of Jesse are with Saul at the battle lines. And so he sends David and tells him, go and inquire of your brothers and take these gifts with you. And so David goes. And as David arrives there, we find both armies are, are ready for battle. They, they are on the battle line and they are ready to fight. And David heard Goliath. He heard the words of this giant. In verse 24, again, we read all the men of Israel when they saw the man fled from him. And were much afraid. And, and the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. And will give him his daughter. And make his father's house free in Israel. That is some incentive, isn't it? For the man who would kill Goliath. He would have the king's daughter. He would become a part of the king's family. And not only that, he would not have to pay taxes anymore. Wouldn't that be nice? And we know it's a bride, but yet it was an enticing one nonetheless. And, and so David heard all of this and he, he kept inquiring. And notice what David says in, in verse 26. Again, he asked, what shall be done for the, the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Goliath was uncircumcised. We know that meant he was a stranger to God. He was an unbeliever. He had his gods. He was out of covenant with God. And David said, how dare this uncircumcised Gentile speak of God's people this way and ultimately speak of God this way. 
You see, David understood, didn't he? David understood that as the giant defied the hosts of Israel and the armies of Israel, that he was defying God himself. And so David could not let this reproach stand. Now his brother, his older, oldest brother, Eliab, hears of this. As I, I read the, the, those verses dealing with this, that is just like two brothers, isn't it? The oldest dealing with the youngest. Why are you here? Don't, don't you have some sheep to take care of? Get back to where you belong. And, and David, and, and as you say, well, what have I done? <clears throat> Why do you have a problem with me? What is it that I have done to you? I only spoke a word. Eliab thought that David was presumptuous and wicked in his heart. He did not see what God was about to do through his youngest brother. Third, we see David's and we hear of David's confidence in God. The words of David went to Saul. He heard these words and he sent for David. And David says to Saul in verse 32, Let no man hearts, man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Now think of all the mighty men of battle that were there. All of the seasoned warriors of Israel that were there. Saul being one of them. And none of them would go out and face this giant. But here is David, this young man, who had every confidence in his God that he could go and win. Saul says to David, you're not able. The Philistine, this Philistine, he, he has been a, a warrior from his youth, and you are but, but a youth. And so David recounts for Saul all that God has done for him, how the many times that God protected him and delivered him as a shepherd. David had kept sheep for his father. There would be a, a time where a lion or a bear would come and attack the sheep and, and take the sheep off. And so what would David do? Well, he had to go get the sheep. He couldn't lose any of them. And he would go and he would pry the sheep from the mouth of the lion and the bear. And if that lion or bear then turned around to attack, he would kill him with almost his bare hands. He says in verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord has de who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. What confidence David had. Let me ask you, Christian, do you have that same confidence in your God this morning? The God who has delivered you and me from, from the, the evil and the wickedness of our hearts and sin. Saul had an idea. David, you need some armor. And so David tries it on. Doesn't fit. 
He says, I can't wear this. I have not tested them. And so David, what does he do? He takes his shepherd's staff. He chooses five smooth stones from the brook. And he puts them in his pouch. And he goes with his sling. That's it. And he approaches the Philistine. Now Goliath is not happy with this. He disdained David. And he says... In verse 43, Am I a dog that you come with me at me with sticks? Well, was Goliath a dog? Yes, he was a Gentile. We know. We know that the Israelites viewed the Gentiles as dogs. The Philistine cursed David by his gods, and the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'm going to kill you. I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David was not deterred, was he? Notice verse 45. He says, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. The battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hand. Again, the confidence that David had. David knew. He knew that God would give him the victory. He knew that God would give this giant into his hand. And so we see, fourth of all, David's victory over Goliath. And God did just that, did He not? They both ran quickly to the battle line to meet. And David put his hand in his bag, took out one of those stones, put it in his sling, and threw it and struck the Philistine in the forehead And that giant of a man fell upon the ground. Verse 50, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. All those other great warriors of Israel saw that. And I wonder what they were thinking. A sling and a stone? David went and took the sword of the Philistine and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw what happened, they they ran away, wouldn't you? You had the biggest man out there on the battle lines. He's dead. What else is going to happen? And so the Israelites pursued and they would cut down some of the Philistines that day and then they came back and they plundered the camp of the Philistines. And there's David with the head of Goliath as his prize. And Saul was asking a question when David went out against the Philistine to Abner, the commander of his army. Who is that? Now that sounds odd to us, doesn't it? Because last week, what did we hear? That David found favor in the eyes of Saul. That Saul loved him greatly. So how is it now that Saul doesn't know who he is? Well, I think there are two possible reasons For that, first, Saul was possibly seeking information about the family. After all, he made a promise, right? Whoever kills this giant, I will give my daughter as a wife. And 
that family will be free. You see, Saul had met David, but he had never met Jesse. And so that may well have been his inquiry. Who's, from whose family is this young man? Or second of all, it could it be, be that the, the spirit, the tormenting spirit that God had sent to Saul many times that, that it had afflict, afflicted him, especially his memory. He didn't see David all the time. There may have been some days where the Spirit wasn't upon him and he wouldn't see David at all. I believe either one of those explanations can, can, can be found and, and are good ones. But it does not matter what Saul inquires. Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I'm the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Now why that? Well, David was telling Saul who he was. There's something more there. Where's David from? He's from Bethlehem. Who too will come from Bethlehem, the king that will be greater than David, that will be in the line of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God is setting the stage for us, isn't He? He is setting the stage as He has done throughout the Old Testament up to this point for the coming of the Christ. For the coming of the one who would be of the line of David. And so what application can we make here this morning? Well, again, we don't have a giant to slay this morning for God. But we are the church militants. Now, you've heard me say that many times over the last few weeks. What does that mean? It means the church upon earth, we are at war with some very formidable enemies. And the Bible describes those enemies for us. We are at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, one day we'll be the church glories, but we're not there yet, are we? And so that means that while we are upon this earth and there will always be a true church of Jesus Christ, that we will be in a constant state of battle with those enemies. Now we heard this morning of the impressive armor of Goliath. But God has given us an impressive armor as well. Turn over with me to Ephesians Chapter 6. As we engage in this war, we need to make sure that we have on the whole armor of God. And Paul lays it out for us here at the end of his letter to the church at Ephesus. Beginning at verse 10, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You see, Paul was right in the midst of the battle, wasn't he? He was in prison and he tells the church there at Ephesus, you need to put on this armor because the enemies of God's people are great. Now we see what's going on in this world. And I think many of us, rightly so, we think this world has gone crazy. But yet see what is really happening. It is a war between God and His people and the powers of darkness. Again, what we see happening in this world is a war. And we are in the middle of that war. And we're going to lose some of the battles. There will be times where it looks like the church is almost at the point of extinction. But remember this. We win the war in and through Christ. Because one day Christ is coming. And when He comes in all of His glory, who will be there with Him? The church of the risen Lord. The church of Jesus Christ. And we who are there with Him, we will all be there with Him at that last day. We will come and we will trample that, those forces of evil under our feet in Christ. That's what awaits us. That is when the church militant will become the church triumphant. Second, we see this morning that the men of Israel were afraid of Goliath, but David was not. What is the difference between them? And it's simply this. David had faith and confidence in the power of God. Do you have that faith and confidence this morning? Now, if we're honest, there are times where that faith and confidence is shaken. But David understood it. David had seen it with his own eyes. David had been delivered by these mighty beasts of the field. And he knew that he would be delivered from that uncircumcised, unbelieving Philistine. Because he knew and understood the gods of the Philistines had no power. But his and our God has all power. David had faith. And in that faith, he was not afraid. Christian, you have faith as well. You have no need to be afraid of anyone or anything. Uh, I would encourage you, go through the Bible and see how many times God tells us, do not be afraid, do not fear. We serve the almighty, all-powerful God of heaven and earth. We have faith, in, uh, our faith has been given to us by Him and He has delivered us many times in our lives. So what do we have to fear? Not even death. Death for the Christian 
It's not something to be afraid of. It's something that we are to look forward to. Third, God has delivered us from a greater bondage. And that is from our bondage to sin. Our bondage to the false gods of this world and unbelief. He has done that through Christ. Again, David is a picture of Christ, isn't he? David, as he slays this uncircumcised Philistine, is a picture of Christ when he will come in all of his glory. And he will slay the wicked of this world. And it is that same Christ who has delivered us from our bondage. If we are in Christ this morning, we know well once we were in bondage to sin. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. We could do nothing to save ourselves. And then God came and He interfered in our lives. And aren't you grateful this morning that God came and He interfered in your life? And He said, no, you belong to me. And He released us from that bondage and He pointed our eyes to Christ as He gave us a new heart. And we were able for the first time to cry out unto Jesus and say, Lord, save me. And He did. Truly, the Lord saves not with sword or spear. For the Lord has saved His people through the blood the Son. And then finally, let me ask you, do you have faith this morning? Do you have the faith of David? If, if uh, there was a giant here defying the name of God, would you have that same faith as David to say, no, you talk a big game, but I'm going to kill you in the name of my God. And that was the difference between David and Saul. David had faith, Saul did not. And therefore, David is being elevated to, to be king of Israel in God's timing. And again, David, and from the line of David, would come the one that we must place our faith in. And that is Jesus. And so have you done that? Have you turned from your sin and have you put your faith in Christ and Him alone? As He is freely offered to you this day in the gospel. If not, then do so today. Turn from your wickedness and turn to Jesus. Turn to Christ and understand that it is He and He alone that can save. And then you become a part of the army of the living God. The church militants. And all the earth will know that not only is there a God in Israel, there's a God throughout this world. And one day they will answer to Him. So come to Christ. Believe in Him. For it is the Lord who saves. And the battle is the Lord's. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word and thank You, O oh Lord, for being reminded that it is You who saves and not us. 
Father, give us faith like David. And I pray, O Lord, that if there are any here this morning that does not have true saving faith, that You would interfere in their lives. That You would even now change their heart and show them their sin and turn their eyes to Jesus and may they cry out to Him and be saved. And O Lord, we look forward to that day when the church militant will become the church triumphant. And we will be with you forever. May that day come quickly. But until then, may we be faithful to you. Our God, our Lord, and our King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.